0: Very good. Could you um, just do a little breath test this morning? <laughs> just to make sure. What I want to talk about this morning is uh, a theme that we're titled, Spirit. Um, the Spirit is perhaps one of the most misunderstood aspects of the Christian life. In fact, for many people, Christianity is about doing hard work and trying to earn my way towards God. But in fact, what we discover is that it's completely the opposite, in fact, this morning what I want to do is break down some of those misunderstandings because really the Spirit is about the key to life with God. It's, it's really understanding the dimension of, of the inner working of God in a person's life. When you read the New Testament, um, those first encounters that the followers of Jesus had uh, after his crucifixion, what you see and meet with is a group of very scared, afraid men and women who are trying to hide from the Romans. Uh, but yet Um, Just a few days later, uh, there's this this new uh, found optimism because of a resurrection. And then 50 days later, there's this radical encounter with God as spirit that leads them from being quite afraid to being fearsome followers of him. In fact, some people have described the spirit, if you like, as moving our ideas about God from our head down 12 inches into our heart where there's a power and a life. This morning, I don't want to talk about many other things apart from the Spirit. And I want to say to you, it's not enough to believe about Jesus. He wants you to be born again. It's not enough to just believe about God. He wants you to be born from above. That's the message That Jesus brings. If you want to follow with us on just before I jump into that, and there's over the next two weeks and then over the next following four weeks when we look at four convictions that change the world, we're going to bump into three words. So I'm just put them up there. Spirit, grace, And prayer. Just remember those, because we're going to bump into them over the next six weeks. If you want to follow with me this morning, if you've got a Bible with you, or if you want to download or sort of this U version app, you can follow with me. It's from John chapter three. The reason why I look at the Bible when we when talk and when we teach is because I believe in what it says. That the Bible is is alive. It's like a power. The Bible says that it's like a a sharp two-edged sword. It can actually dive deep into a person's life. It can separate soul and spirit and joint and marrow. It reveals the very heart of a person's thinking as well as their intent. So if you like what it says about itself is that it's powerful and it's dangerous. So beware as you open, it might mess with your life. So if you want to follow with me this morning, John chapter 3, and I'm just going to plunge straight into a conversation that Jesus has with a man by the name of Nicodemus, and this is what it says. There was a man of the Pharisees called Nicodemus, a ruler of the Judeans. He came to Jesus by night. Rabbi or teacher, he said, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. Nobody can do these signs that you're doing unless God is with him. Who were the Pharisees? The Pharisees were a self-appointed religious political group that were trying to seek God's life here on earth. And even if they had to achieve their agenda by violent means, they would, as long as they could, if you like, influence other people around them to get with the program because they longed to see God becoming king. And this Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus, it says he comes to Jesus by night which gives us a little insight and a little clue, if you like, into perhaps what his thinking was. Jesus was perhaps not the usual character that he would interact with during the daytime. So he comes to Jesus by night and he makes this profound or this insightful comment. He says, we know that the miracles that you've been performing, healing people, calming the wind and the waves, those are the kinds of things that not everyday normal people do. We believe that there's something unique and special about you and we know that God is with you. That's why these things are happening. Well, Jesus goes on and he says these words. He says, Let me tell you the solemn truth, or truly, truly, or amen, amen. Or, Let me tell you the solemn truth, Jesus replied. Unless someone has been born from above or born again, it's the same word, they won't be able to see God's kingdom. Jesus says, I want you to know something very insightful about the agenda that you have, Nicodemus. You want to see God's life come here on earth, but I tell you this, you cannot even enter it, taste it, feel it, see it, unless you are born again. That is, born from above, where God dwells. What is the kingdom of heaven? Well, put very simply, the kingdom of heaven is God becoming king. Over all of his earth, just like it is in heaven. The psalmist says in twenty four, he says, "The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the whole world and all the people who live in it." I agree with that. And, and and the God's kingdom is this idea that God will come to earth, and He, through His power, will begin to bring His order and His restoration, His restorative justice, His life, His peace to earth, just like it is where God dwells. For some people, when God's power begins to move on earth as it did through Jesus, people were attracted to him like, if you like, like insects to the light. Whilst other people, when they sensed his power and his person, would run away because they knew it spelt danger for them. They weren't attracted to the light, they were repelled by it. And Jesus says, if you want to actually know God's life and activity in your life, if you want to see it, feel it, taste it, if you want to enter into it, Nicodemus, I tell you this, you need to be born again. That is, from above. You see, it's not enough, if you like, for people to believe about God. Jesus says you need to be born again. So the conversation goes on and, and Nicodemus, he starts to get fuddled and he, he starts to turn the pages of his biology lessons and midwifery and, and he comes up with a statement like this. He says, How can someone possibly be born, asked Nicodemus, when they're old? You're not telling me that they can go back a second time into the mother's womb and be born, are you? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a image person. Uh, I, I see in pictures. That is an ugly thought. <laughs> Jesus says, you've completely got it. No, no, we're not talking about biology. We are not talking about midwifery. That's just weird, Nicodemus. But I want to tell you something that's just as visible and powerful as a birth. And that is when you are born again, if you like, in another way, by the Spirit. Because he goes on and he says this. I'm telling you the solemn truth replied Jesus unless someone is born from water and the spirit they can't enter God's kingdom flesh you see is born from flesh but spirit you see is born from spirit don't be surprised that I've told you that you must be born again you see the idea of a physical birth comes with an outworking doesn't it There's the idea of when someone, a lady goes into labor, that at the end that there is something that you receive at the end of it, a baby, a child, a new life. Um, and, and, And Jesus is saying, I'm not talking about physical birth, but what I'm talking about is kind of an inner renewal, a spiritual birth, an inner life experience that you cannot accomplish for yourself, Nicodemus. It's not like two people coming together and having a moment of passion and forming a new life. It's not that, but it's just as powerful. In fact, it's even more powerful because it's an encounter with the living God, something that you cannot do for yourself, but he does for you and in you. If you like, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. It's not enough to just believe about Jesus. If you want to enter into his kingdom, you must be born again. You see, even just mentioning that word for some of us here shifts something in us. Kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. There's something deeply that resonates with human beings about an otherworldliness where God dwells. And even just naming that phrase shifts something in us. One of the great theologians and philosophers once said this, you have made us for yourself, O God, and we will not find rest until we find it in you. What he was pointing to is something deep within the hearts and minds of men and women across this globe that are made for something more than just material substance. You are made for God. And so when you hear that word kingdom of heaven, there's something that shifts or or draws you. Because that's God's activity. And if you like the world and the realm that you were also made for, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. Don't be surprised, Jesus says, when I tell you, if you want to enter, taste, feel, see my father's life, in the age to come and in the present age right now, you need to be born again. And so he goes on and he says these things. The wind blows wherever it pleases, wherever it wants to, and you hear the sound it makes, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going to. That's how it's like with someone who is born from the Spirit. This morning as I was preparing for this talk in the office, I looked out the window, and over the rooftop of the building, there stood uh, and stands a great tall gum tree. And as I looked at that tree in the distance, I noticed it moving. And its leaves were rustling and the trunk was bending forward and backwards. And if you had have asked me, where is the wind coming from? I'd tell you, I don't know where it's coming from, but I can see the effect it's having. It's moving and shifting the environment around about. And I can't control it. I don't know where it's going or where it's going to, but I can hear and see its effects. That's what it's like when the God's spirit comes into someone's heart and mind. You may not hear it, but you can see its effect. It changes people's hearts. I remember some years ago, when I was about 19 years old, I'd grown up, like Helen said, around people who were followers of Jesus, and if you had asked me, I would have said to you, I would have said, I believe about God and I believe about Jesus so much so that I'll go to a church and I'll occasionally read a Bible and and I'll be involved in church things. But if you you had have asked me had I surrendered my life to God, I would have said, no, I'm the boss and I'm in control and that's the way I like it. We're all control freaks, you know. You know. We're all control freaks. We like to be in control of our lives because we're the one who thinks that we have got the best interest for us in our own keeping, not even knowing that there's a God who has even his greater interest in us than we even care to imagine. And if you like, when I was 19, that, that was the kind of the state of my being. And then all I can tell you is that over a period of two weeks, kind of as I drew close to God... I experienced some things transforming and changing in my heart, just like Helen spoke about today. In fact, it was over about a two, three, four week period that I found, if you like, I could only describe it as God's liquid love just being poured into me. Was it from the top or from the sides or for the bottom? I don't know. But all I knew was that it was powerful and that it was good and that it felt like love that was making its way through every molecule and fiber and thought in my life. So much so, at the end of that two-week process, I found that my shifting had changed about God. didn't want to just know about Him. I wanted to follow Him. And what had happened in my life was nothing more and nothing less than God's Spirit coming and speaking deeply into me and, if you like, messing with my will and my life. So at the end of that, I said, God, I kind of want to do what you want me to do because I think that's the best way for me to be as a human being. And that's the way it was. Cassia, a few weeks ago, she's here this morning. She came about six months ago and she said, I came along for a parent-child dedication and I got more. I came to watch a baby be kind of presented, and I got more. You see, I had been attending a Narcotics Anonymous for a long time, and she said, when, when I came here, I discovered there was something that was happening here that my NA, not, not to say that's a bad thing at all, that's a good thing to attend and go to, but she said there was something happening here that I knew that was part of my spiritual journey I needed to be part of, right? And so when I came here, I said, this is where I need to stay, and she said, you know, making the decision to follow Jesus wasn't like it was a, this, this enormous decision. It seemed hard at the time, but once I did it, there's this whole new world that opened up for me that NA couldn't do for me. But when you talk to her, she knows so much about what it means to have a surrendered life and this open life to God because she says, that is where addicts are at. They realize that there is nothing they can do to actually help themselves and fix themselves, and that is the first if you like, point of reference of your healing is when you come to God and you say, I cannot fix this myself. Could you do something in my life that I cannot do for myself? And did he? He did and he does and he is. And so living in that space of a surrendered open life becomes all of the space in which God wants to fill. You see, I'm talking today not just about believing about God or believing in Jesus. What I'm talking to you about today is being born again. I've attended three physical births in my life. I have three children. And each time they were different. And there was a lot of effort involved. I can tell you that. I tried really hard. (laughs) And I'm sure I was very trying as well. But I know at the end of it, there was three little lives that formed. They... We were born in three different ways, but they were nonetheless real. You see, it doesn't matter how you encounter God's Spirit, it's a matter that you do encounter God's Spirit that matters most. And so Nicodemus goes on and he says these words How can this be so? I'm telling you the truth, Jesus said. We're talking about things that we know about, we're giving evidence about things that we've seen, but you won't admit our evidence. See, Jesus said you know that I'm doing powerful deeds by, because God is with me and working through me by his power by his spirit but I'm telling you this we're talking about things that you don't understand and you don't even want to accept what we're saying Nicodemus in fact it's at this point that Jesus could have said don't you know what has been promised by the prophets of old don't you know what Ezekiel said to God's people when they were far away in a distant land when they had rebelled against God and he would banish them from the land and there they were in Persia and they were calling out to God and this is what One of the prophets by the name of Ezekiel said, he said, for I'll take you out of the nations and I will gather you from the countries and bring you back into Israel, your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and from all your idols. And I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I'll remove from your heart all of your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees so that you be careful to keep my laws, if you, if you like, what Jesus was saying is that this has been promised from a long time ago. Don't you know, Nicodemus? And you're a teacher of Israel. You see, what the human race needs is not just some tinkering around the edges. What the human race needs is a transformation of our hearts. Two weeks ago, 12 boys and a coach went into a cave and they got stuck. And the rest of the world held their breath. Teams came from all over the world. The celebration of human ingenuity rescued those boys and that, I think, embarrassed coach from the perils. But I tell you this, not all the amount of human ingenuity can transform the human heart. It was around the same time that a terrible crime happened in Carlton. Many of you would have read about it. A lady lost her life. And the airways went berserk. People called in and they said, what we need to do is we need to educate more. But I tell you this, some of the most intelligent people in our world have done the most despicable things. The airwaves went crazy and said, we need to legislate more. But I tell you this, have you ever driven on a road and you know that it says 60 kilometers an hour and you keep it every time? You see, Jesus would say, we don't need to educate more, although that might be a good thing. We don't need to legislate more, although that might be a good thing. What you need to be doing is being born again. Because that's what transforms the human, the heart and mind to behave and live like Jesus always intended. I'm not talking about this morning whether or not you believe about God or believe about Jesus. I'm asking you, have you been born again? Where his life comes into yours and you experience that at work in you. You see, many people, if you like, they think Christianity is just about a whole bunch of hard work. It's about doing things in order to please God. It's about religion. In in order, if you like, I need to do some rules and rituals in order to please God. I need to do things in order to get right with Him. If you like, it's me reaching up to God, but Christianity is about God reaching down to us and doing something that we cannot do for ourselves. The problem when I approach God from a religious point of view, it always leaves me with the question is, how good is good enough? And I never know. You see, when I think about Christianity, I think about it's a relationship, not just for no reason, but for a good reason, to partner with God in transforming his world for good. When people ask Jesus, what is the greatest command? He said to them, I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that interesting? They asked, for what should I do? What's the greatest law? And he said, I want you to love. You see, God has made us human beings for relationship. Relationship with one another, but foremostly one that starts with him, where he transforms us with his love so that we can be loving. If you like, in right relationship with one another and love, and it begins with the heart. So let me ask you this morning, maybe you're here for the first time and you're just discovering things about Jesus or maybe you've been a follower of him for many years. I want you to know that it's about a matter of the heart. So how has your heart been this last week? I mean, we can do lovely things and say lovely things to our grandchildren and then we can hold a resentment against someone else and harbour it there and it just digs deep. Do you know that? Do you know that's true of us, both of those things? You see, Jesus came to do something that we cannot do for ourselves. He began to, He came so that He might take upon Himself all of that evil and that darkness and that distorted kind of thinking, that sin, and He took it upon Himself on a cross. And when He did that, He said, He who knew no wrong, no evil, no darkness, no sin, He took it upon Himself to do something that we cannot do for ourselves. When He became King and becomes King of someone's life, He comes. And he washes our hearts clean. He forgives water. And he fills us with his spirit. A new power. It's not enough just to tinker around the edges. I'm telling you this morning. We have to have a whole new engine dropped in. That's the work of the spirit. In being reborn. That's what it's about. I once had a psychiatrist say to me. Troy if I could just have a prescription for love. But I can't write the prescription. Only Jesus can. The rest of our time this morning, I want to talk about what we might do with these thoughts. What we might do. Because he says to all who receive him, that is to all who surrender their lives to him, he gives the right to become a child of God. And he will fill you with his spirit in a surrendered life. Craig and Cindy, why don't you come up here for a moment? Just as Craig plays. This is what he said to Nicodemus at the end. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, in the same way the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him, not about him, may share life... May share in the life of God's new age. When people were standing on the steps of the temple 50 days after Jesus had gone to be with his father, they said, What should we do? Because we crucified the Son of God. And and Peter says, I want you to repent. That is, I want you to have a wholehearted return to God without any wheeling or dealing. Do you know that human beings are wheelers and dealers? We're wheelers and dealers. We want to say, God, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. We wheel and deal all the time. And he says, what you need to do is repent. That is, you need to open up your heart and life, wholeheartedly return to God without any wheeling or dealing and just put your settled faith and trust in him. That's how you're born again, from above, You shift it from believing about God or about Jesus to opening up your heart and making him your king and surrendering. And you say, would you fill me with your spirit? So there's three actions I want to present to us today, three actions, because we're going to create a space here this morning for you to meet with God. First one is this. Maybe you're here this morning and you have heard about Jesus, you've heard about God, but you've never actually surrendered. Well, this is my action for you. In a few minutes' time, what I'm going to ask you to do is get up out of your chair and come over here and take one of these little black wrist bands that says, Seek first, God. So I brought my car keys here with me today people say what does it mean to surrender my life to jesus i say this there comes a point of time in our lives where we say i've had enough of driving my life myself jesus now would you come and drive the wheel for me what it means is a moment in time a decision and when you say jesus i've had enough of the driving now here's my car keys i'm going to go and jump in the passenger seat you're going to drive the car And when you open up your heart and surrender like that to Jesus, I believe he comes. So what I'd ask you to do in a few moments time is that if you haven't done that before, but you sense God speaking to you, just come here and put your keys. If you need to borrow someone's car keys, you just take their keys. You can have their car. You can come and just place it down on the table here. And I'm just going to give you one of these. and I'm going to pray for you. And then you can just make your way back. The second thing has got to do with the cross right here. You see, there's some people who say, I've surrendered the keys of my life to Jesus. We call that saving grace. But I haven't opened up the other doors of the house to Jesus. It's like he's standing in the foyer. I heard someone say it like this. They said, I welcomed Jesus into my life, but I kept the fly wire shut (laughs) so the air could get through. But Jesus was in the foyer. For some of us, we've gone, yep, you can have the keys but I've locked the doors. You see, I believe I've got my best interests in heart and I don't—I can't trust you with other areas of my life, Jesus. You see, there's the computer room, the things that I watch and do that I'd rather keep to myself, thank you very much. So I've locked that door. There's the, the other door to the, the room which has got to do with my work room. No, no, you're out of bounds. You can't come into my workspace. That's my work, not yours. And my bedroom, I can share beds with whoever I want. My bedroom's locked. And Jesus is calling you today to something higher. He's calling you to something called holiness. That is aligning my body and my mind to do his bidding. And what you need to do, if you like, is surrender that part of your life to him. And I want you to get up out of your chair, come down and kneel before the cross as a sign of saying, I surrender that to you. And if you like, just come and take a seat right here and Bron's going to be here and she can pray for you. If you like, just come and take a seat. Doesn't mean anyone needs to judge or anything like that, but that's just what the cross is for. You see, this is how it works. You you come to Jesus and he says, I want to be part of all of your life. And so when I come in, I'm not robbing you, I'm actually freeing you. You don't believe that so when you worship him, he comes by spirit and he whispers to you about that area of your life. And if you ignore it and push it back, he sends someone quietly to come and point that out in your life. And then if you kind of resist that, it all blows up usually and goes public. And then you're back left with God again. And he says, now will you trust me? And if you keep on closing the door and locking it, he says in the end of that, I can't help you, but I want to. That's the cross. The third one. In fact, the third one, Ellie, if you can go and stand, those who are standing there, um, the third one is for all of us. Maybe if you're just brand new to here today, but you want you feel something and you go, I want to draw closer to Jesus, you're welcome to. The third one is that you've you've given him the keys, you've experienced saving grace, you're opening up the doors of your house, but when you leave to go to work or school, to get on your bike or in your car... You take up the car keys again and you live your life as though God's just a thing, an idea. You've experienced His saving grace but now you need to experience His sustaining grace. Some of you here this morning are dry. We're in the middle of winter. You wouldn't know it today. But the antidote to a heavy heart is by coming before him and worshipping him and actually saying, God, would you fill me up with your life and your spirit? You need a fresh encounter with God's spirit. And so the people who are standing here, and we're going to get Wes and Shanda split a little bit, and we've got two folk over here, is that they're just here and they're going to pray for you. So I'm anticipating people, you'll be getting up and saying, I actually need some of that sustaining grace in my life. I need a fresh encounter with god i i need his spirit so i'm just going to walk up to them take one of these bands that says walking in the light and they're just going to pray for you that god's spirit might fill you afresh because you've experienced his saving grace but you need desperately his sustaining grace it means when you go to work or when you get on your bike to go to school or whatever it is you take the keys and you hand them back to him at the door and you say Jesus today would you fill me up with your sustaining grace that is God's ability to accomplish in our lives what we cannot accomplish for ourselves and it's good so three things today you know the way life groups get honest with each other is that they actually get honest with each other and they don't care about what and they just get a little bit vulnerable I'm going in eight weeks time. I'm not going to be here. And I need many people in this room to go from here up a new level. We've got great leaders here and they're going to be leading you extraordinarily. But I need people here to go up a level. And that comes when we go, God, I'm opening myself up to you. I want more of you. So what I'm going to do in the next five or so minutes, so I'm just going to allow you, if you want to sit in the chair where you are and just open up your heart and mind to receive from God, then do that. But, and I'm liking more people, just how I'm going to respond in these ways. I'm going to be waiting here for the car keys. Ron's going to be over here. If no one's going to watch him, you can just come and kneel, surrender that part. And then you might want to go and receive prayer over there. But I just want this space to be moving. Do you understand? And if that's a bit threatening to you, you're welcome to just stay exactly where you are. I'm not going to put you on the spot. But God's here, he's working. I'm going to ask that as Cindy sings, if you want to join in with what she's singing, just sitting where you are, then do that. If not, just listen in. But let's respond. It's not enough to believe about Jesus or about God. You must be born again, filled with his spirit. So let's respond.